Yo, what up, family? What up? That looks sick. That's an amazing idea. Nah, thank you, man. This is actually a, a clip of a show me and Jay was doing. Bro, where was that? Where, where, where was that? That this was at um, Made in America. Okay. If you see, if you see, Jay is in the middle of the stage. He has on a black hoodie. Yeah, I see him. I'm behind him, literally. Oh, I know where you're at, bro. I know where we're always at. <laughs> we invite everybody on stage. <laughs> That's dope. You know, a lot of, I think that that was something that great, like that Pac and Biggie used to always do is bring some people in, especially in a bigger show, you lose that because usually only people do that in a club. <clears throat> yep. Yeah, it's kind of crazy. That was probably one of the wildest times that we brought people on the stage because it was so easy for them to get on stage. Almost a quarter of the people came up. Security was cool. Security was cool with that, huh? Hell no. <laughs> I didn't think so. <laughs> they were bugging. They stopped the show. They turned off our mics. Um, it was too many people back there with the, in, in my area. So many people that the table collapsed, and it was people actually literally holding it up. And I remember Jay looked at me. <laughs> He looked at me like this. That's dope, bro. Hey, I think that uh, it's too many people. <laughs> I'm like, Never too many people. How are we, how are we gonna get them off now? They cut our mics off. They were, they were yeah, no, of course. And then no one wants to leave, and people try to sneak backstage. And yeah, it was fun. It was, it was like, it was really fun, very fun. But those are the classic thing. That's where your grandchildren's grandchildren's grandchildren see oh, that. Yeah. You're like, yo, granddaddy was dope. <laughs> That's also too like when I'm on stage and I and we do something like that's when I get like goosebumps, bro. You know what I mean? Like that's yeah, yeah. That's where the goose goosebumps come. That look that's over it. the crowd, that sea of people, like to me, that feel all that love and that energy, like that. There's really no substitute for that. Nah, not at all. Yeah, it's just a one of a kind thing where like you have to do it to experience. You know? It's crazy. But what's up with you, man? How you been? Good, bro. You know, I mean, it's life. Life is a trip these days, right? Yeah, it's crazy. It's real crazy. I don't know. You know. I definitely think that this time has kind of brought the fangs out on, on everyone. You know, everyone's in just ultimate survival mode. And, and uh, everyone is showing their true colors i really i really think in a, in, in a way it was almost good because you kind of just see what it is and yeah people are really letting go on who they are and what they believe and what they really feel is important moving forward and what they want to represent and what they want to be remembered for and what yeah. side of history they're going to be on and true yeah it, crazy you know i think I don't think anyone five years ago would have been like, hey, where do you vision yourself in five years? I don't think, not that many people would have said this. Not even last year. You give right me right? December. Nobody was thinking about, you know, like, <laughs> if you asked me in December where I was going to be July or August 1st, you know, July, August, 
I, man, I, I had a lot of plans. You know? I had, we were I had, talking about it. You were yeah, like, yo, yeah. I'm going back out to, you were coming back out here to yeah, see me. Yeah, yeah. I was like, oh, great. This is dope. You know, you guys got the new album. I had a lot of plans. I had a lot of plans. And it's like, I mean, it's it's cool because, you know, you got to take the best part of everything, you know. And the best part of what's going on right now is you being connected to the people you love, you know. Like, I've never had this type of time to stay at home and actually just bond with my family, my children, my wife, you know, my dad. You know, they even though, like, they had us scared to see our parents and stuff for a while. But it was just like, you know, hey, it was a stress, but it wasn't – it was a different type of stress. It wasn't a stress of, um, you know, just everyday mediocre redundancy, you know. It was like, okay, this is a different type of stress, but hey, I'm home. I'm good. We got food, chilling. We staying in, you know. It's all right. You know, just be be to yourself. Kind of lay low. Well, I definitely think that's the truth, man, is that I kind of got to that point now these days where I'm like, hey, because this is the thing, man. I have homies around the world, and we, you travel the world, just because something horrible and like, you know, it's really hitting the fan other places doesn't mean that it can't change in a, in a blink of an eye like that here. And as long as we, you know, we have fresh water and we have food and we are, like you said, like at the end of the day, don't get me wrong. There are the rare relationships where you meet people that are newer in your life that you all of a sudden, feel the connection and that's fam bam for the rest of your life because they'll just never do you wrong for the rest of your life. Correct. But generally on the flip side, it is your family. Yeah. And then that's the weird thing too, is because family sometimes too could be a very complicated subject, especially where some of our families where we come from and what we were trying to get away from or what Absolutely. we're trying to fix and trying to fix those. Or, but Hey, Everyone I know that, especially with their kids, there ain't no love like that. There ain't no love like mom and dad. There ain't no love like, you know, and I think you do means meet some people on the way that do become family too. And that's the most beautiful thing. But generally it's only family when you have the problems that still stick around and stuff. Generally, most other people, they just leave when there's a problem and- right especially in today's generation, people are just so generally look at things. It's like the new iPhone. It's always upgradable. It's always disposable. It's a lot more easy not to deal with it. Yeah. And I think this, like you said, this COVID thing has just kind of got us back to roots, which to me, I've always been a very Bob type roots type person where it's like, Hey, cause I've seen both ends, man. I've seen bottom of the bottom and top of the top and at the end of the day if you're not healthy or if the world ain't it don't matter i mean you the, 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 you could have 500 million dollars in the bank if you can't get out of bed because you're so sick it don't really and i've seen people in that position and it's just like really lately it's just like just a day where i feel good and I'm back to, you know, with this stuff I love, you know, the, the, that's what I've really been trying to do with the music 
and the art is that I started making music and I started doing this because I just loved it and it was just me and I wanted to make stuff that even if I didn't listen to it, I mean, if I didn't make it, I would still listen to it and that just right. trying to be the dopest and that that was the motive, that B-boy kind of like, all right, I'll go up on anyone and this is us. Right. <laughs> like, this is our set. This is where we're at. This is what we do, you know, like, and, and there also would just be something that we go out and enjoy and we're feels special to play and we're endeared to it because you know, I, I think that's the biggest thing about art for it to be timeless. It has to be something that makes people relate and it has to come from your soul, man. Absolutely. And that's one thing when I saw, you know, you doing it, like you always have a smile on your face when you're on stage. You're always, you always got such good energy, bro. And that's really rare in the business, man. And also the humility. It's like, you know, I know I've ran into everyone's DJ and 99% of the time it's always rock star. Hey, I'm, I'm just too cool to even acknowledge someone. And mm -hmm. even if you're at their level, you know, people are just yeah. weird and the, just the integrity you've always brought towards me and the sincerity and the authenticity for, you know, once again, I think you just do this hip hop because you love hip hop. You, yeah. and regardless whether you were making money or not. Yeah, I'm gonna do it. You do it, you know, because this is you. This is this is the heart, you know, and just figure it out. And that's where I've been kind of at right these days is just trying to figure it out. Right. Yeah. I feel you. So what about you? So 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 now, now that um obviously the tour and everything is on postpone you know have you been working on beats at home have you have yeah, you been I've working been, yeah i've been working on beats i've been doing mixes for radio i've been doing like you know stuff like that here and there local parties graduations i'm doing like a graduation tomorrow for my cousin you know um you know yeah i'm i'm doing some drops some radio stuff some beats I'm trying to stay busy you know like it's convenient, you know, like I find myself, you know, just being productive in any way, to be honest with you, you know, that's like, you just gotta stay. Do you have any kind of uh, ETA on when do you do, when, when is the label saying you guys are might be possibly getting back on the road and doing all that? Uh, no, I haven't heard anything, to be honest with Nothing, you. right? No one, no one knows. No one knows anything. You know, like, they say in 2021, but like when? Like, and you're saying 2021, I don't see that happening. I don't see it happening until something happens with this virus, you know? Something and I also think what happens with this election, you know, how this really transpires with this election is really going to set the tone of what is next for everyone and everything because obviously however that plays out has way too different yeah yeah directions either the countries man and it's like i mean it's everything everybody's lives are changing right now like are my kids going to school you know my wife's a principal you know like is she going to work is she got to stay home do i you know uh if everything i mean if everything comes back together of course everything will be fine but 
other than that, man, lives are just changing right now. It's just, you always got to adapt to everything, you know? And it's not always necessarily something that's bad, you know? Like, a change, everything's going to change. Nothing stays the same, ever, you know? Everything changes. So, right now, we're just going into a change. Eventually, it'll be back to what we call normal. But right now, this is the normal, you know? And it's been I normal for, like, I definitely, like six, uh, it's been six months now, you know? Like, what was it? March, April, May, June, July, about five months, you know? August would be, like, the fifth month that we've been going through this, you know? Yeah, and I have a feeling that it will never go back to that way, huh? Be the same for what it is. I, it, although that sounds amazing, in my heart of hearts, I do not see that happening. I mean, hey, prove me wrong. You know, I would love, I would love for the youth to see what we've experienced because I don't, I mean, imagine being 18 right now and that, or 21 and that, that this is, you've never gone out and this is what you know as yeah. never seeing a real crowd, never really seeing a real festival, you know, sea of people because it's just things aren't like that now. Yeah. And imagine being 18, 19 and you have to now be on your own and no one could give you advice because nobody's been through this. Nobody. No one's been through this to do right now because nobody, nobody knows what, what's about to happen. You know, I can't, I couldn't give somebody advice and say, Oh yeah, go get your place and get a nice job. Nah, man, really stay secure. Like stay with your parents if you need to, man, but just stay secure because you don't know where this is going, you know? Yeah. You and really, you don't want to move somewhere and you can't barely pay the rent and you can't get food. Now you're in a bad situation, you know, like don't, don't do that to yourself. Yeah. And there's definitely, I've said this many times. I'll say it again. The only people that are really okay with this right now are the people that are the top tier had money saved up and could take a sabbatical for a year off. And 98% of the people that I know in life, 99 are not in that position. In fact, they need to work paycheck to paycheck day to day. And how and where they're getting that money and what is really the reality of I mean, come on, you understand people who make their money by being in places and working. And I say that goes across the board because I know people that are even doctors that they're not allowing this, like dentists, they're not allowing to see patients normally and stuff. It's a very limited, supposedly. So even them, they're having a fourth of their income, what they're normally used to making. and. Look at everyone, look at all, all these businesses just tanking out. I mean, all I've seen, I don't know about over by you, but a lot of the venues by me, like the local venues that were for live music, they're, they all closed down. They've all put up for sale signs. They're done. Yeah. 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 Like 
I mean, we had a huge movie theater here that's been open maybe for t- about 20 years. I mean, it was top of the line, modern, you know, and uh, it's closed down. Man. It's completely shut down. It cut it, shut it down. It's like, you know, small businesses, like, you know, people who have stores and it's like, oh, man, they didn't make it. You know, I know a friend of mine who uh, owns this like Jamaican uh, restaurant. Really nice, man. I was so disappointed to see today that it was closed, you know, and I'm like, man, he's he can't survive this, you know, like, no, he's, you know, it's like, who, wh- what is he going to do? You know, what is, what are people doing? You know, like entrepreneurs are having a hard time because everything's shut down and you can't, you can't make any money. You, and these landlords and these, you know, people, they're going to be collecting. They want to collect their bills. I mean, they have, it's, it's a chain like a chain reaction, you know, they need their money. You need your money. You need to, you know, you're the bottom of the total pole. You have to make these sales or whatever you're doing. You have to work, you know? So it's like, sorry. and that definitely seems to be the mentality of like, a, if you're not willing to figure it out, we'll find someone else who does. And anyone that isn't in line with the protocol of, whoever is making those decisions. It's a Tori Hanzu, man. Yeah. Kill Bill. Just take it right out because cut him off. Just, but hey, I mean, come on, you're, you work with Rockefeller. Jay-Z's been known to, to be a frugal businessman. You know, when yeah. bottom line comes up and it's all about the budget and it's all about the numbers and it's all about making a business decision, not a personal decision. Yeah. That's, that's when it just comes down and there's just, that's when things start to change. And his, I would also say historically people are barbaric and, and people. (laughs) uh, Like you said, man, survival mode right now. Everybody's on like a survival mentality. Yeah, and I think that's really hard in a lot of ways because, um, you know, you see, uh, you know, I'm part, I'm part Jewish, and you see what's going on right now, and you see what's going on culturally for where we are with civil rights and what is acceptable and what is just considered basic human rights and respect yeah that it's going back to this line of like either we're going to progress as a society and show love and equity and be articulate and and truly look at the truth of the situation or it's gonna so get bad and we don't know how bad you know (laughs) i mean obviously you seem bad yet you know exactly and that's and that's the thing and especially like i have friends that live in iran you know I have students that are from Russia, from China. Yeah. 
these places where you know there's a lot of realities that I think you know that's the hard part part is that you talk about the people from these places, all great people, but the government's very scary and what they're capable in now that was one thing that they always look to me is America, no matter how flawed was still a beacon of light in a lot of ways for people trying to escape. And then a social experiment for people who are already here thinking we're making a lot of progression in a lot of ways. And now we're kind of at this cusp of like, okay, authoritarianism and yeah it's here man like they got the feds they got the federal agents here you know walking around uh you know and um regular clothes you know i uh i i i was looking for my nephew at a protest he um i saw him on the news and he was speaking and i'm like oh my nephew's down there so let me go see if he's okay so I go down there, and in the midst, I was kind of like, you know, observing. I was a, a observer, you know. A lot of people were observers down there. You had people who were protesting, you had the police, and you had a lot of observers looking right. to say, okay, what's really going on here? So I'm looking for my nephew, and I come across this guy. He has a postal, uh, a white T-shirt, U.S. Postal hat on, blue jeans. And he's like, you from here? And I'm like, yeah, I'm from here. He's like, you're not from here. I'm like, I'm here from here, man. You know, like, why would, you, why would I be down here if I wasn't from here? You know? Um, but it was weird. He was asking me that, you know? And I'm like, why are you asking me? He's like, you know. Well, it was probably because he was a federal agent and he was trying to see if you were someone that was coming into town to what they consider cause ruckus or. Listen, he explained that to me. He says, Man, I'm a I'm a federal agent. <laughs> he said he said it straight like that. I'm a federal agent. And I looked at him and I looked at him kind of like, yeah, right, you know, like you're lying. And he's like, yeah, man, I'm just you know I'm down here just observing, just like you. He wasn't observing, bro. <laughs> he was observing, but he was yeah. <laughs> taking notes. Yeah. But that, I mean, it, oh, that's crazy. And that's the thing too, man, is that. I have been around a lot of protests in the last couple of months here because I I live in South Central and I live in South Central Los Angeles, South LA, and we're on, and it's just the dynamic of the protests that I see is literally one side of the parallel to the other. I mean, one side is this peaceful, attempt to be civil with the cops and the community and community leaders and extending the olive branch and not trying to demonize any side and trying to find accountability and a bipartisan negotiation to find a solution. And then on the flip side, a couple of blocks away, it looks like World War Three already. Yeah, it does. I mean, like literally just people 
it just looks like something out of Mad Max. And, and, you know, I'm very conflict, I'm very conflicted how I feel about it and stuff because yeah. I've always been a big believer of that. One of the reasons I'm there with everyone is because if it could happen today, it could happen to anyone in a second. The second you're ever complacent in accepting an injustice with anything on any side, with anyone worldwide, anyway, any person, any situation, any demographic, the next thing that could be, that it, 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 it's very personal to me. And then it's just, I think people feel helpless now to find a solution. What is, a, what is the solution? Is there a peaceful solution that we could come together and figure this out and come together as a society? And then there's the other side where I see where people don't care anymore. They're just hurt and they're just over it. And they, they, they just feel the injustice is so bad that nothing could ever make it right. Mm, yeah, it is true. A lot of people are just hurt, you know, like, and they're taking the first opportunity to lash out, you know, but there are, I will say there are some people who are what I say are antagonizers. That, of course. That are coming from different areas to Detroit. I mean, I'm just observing. So of course. And then a lot of it is like yeah. what I what I see is it's these alt-right groups, the KKK, these white power groups that are going there and they're they're causing anarchy. And then, you know, everything from putting on masks with people to try and pretend like they're black to just covering all up and doing stuff. And also too, there's been a lot of evidence that there are agent provocateurs out there that are from the cops or whatever that are going in there causing, smashing out windows and then trying to make it look like that peaceful people are doing bad stuff, which is, see, like that's the biggest problem with me is that Everyone that for me that doesn't know me that's coming at me is like, oh, well, you're on this radical tip. And I'm like, wait a minute. Have you been at the protests that I'm involved in and stuff? Like, wait a minute. I'm there with pastors. I'm there with the cops. I'm there with community leaders. I'm there with politicians. I'm there with every type of person trying to find a solution. I don't believe. You know, I don't believe in anarchy. I don't, I, I don't, but now do I believe in people defending themselves? For sure. Do I believe that if someone is trying to put it in justice, that there's been many things that were legal, that were wrong, that you need to speak up and fight against. Yeah. But this demonization of, and that's the hardest part too, is that, you know, you see, just a demonization with of everyone and everything that it's just it's just just people have so much anger and animosity and hatred towards each other it's really sad because i really think that we're all in this together and we really got to figure it out man because if we don't find some scientific articulate equitable solutions asap sadly predictable I mean, yeah. And the thing is, it's like, 
I mean, it's like the person who should be trying to come to a conclusion with this is like completely oblivious or I don't want to say oblivious, but just really doesn't care about really what's going on, you know, like the president. Like, I mean, I don't know. As a president, you should step in at some time and say, like, hey, listen, this is getting just going too far. You know, having like agents come out and just like fight fire with fires. You know, this this country is going to go to shit fast like that, you know. There's gonna be a lot of people in bad positions on each side, you know. It's not that's like definitely not the way to go. And um, somebody with some type of competence doesn't uh, step in and say something or do something, it's like, man, we're just gonna eventually continue to burn. Like, you see what's going on in Portland? Like, it's crazy. My friends just went up there and stuff to document it. Oh, wow. Yeah, and uh, like, like, there's nothing like that's happening here in Detroit. Yeah, I mean, nothing like that's it, in Portland, it's like, damn. Oh yeah, I mean, it's definitely some revolutionary type stuff. And yeah. I mean, as far as as Trump, I think that that's a very multifaceted topic because one. I, I have this discussion with every with a lot of people that I know that are Trump supporters. Mm-hmm. If you look at the videos of what he is doing at these speeches, mm-hmm. he does say it. He will go and say, oh, well, this George Floyd thing was wrong. But the difference is, what is the equitable action behind it or the policy or the sincerity yeah. behind the action of... See, that's my biggest problem is that because, and I will say that this is a politician period, bro. They will say, they, they will say stuff and, and they just, the subsidence behind it. And if you look at that characteristic, I would even say society-wise, Trump is symptomatic of a, a large part of our population that is very comfortable with saying anything to anyone to get whatever they want with not being concerned. They're just a hustler. They're not, they're just playing off of people's emotions to take advantage of their kindness and stuff. And no sincerity of the things that what they're saying as far as follow through, unless it falls under, what they consider okay and what they consider righteous because the things that he considered important he did win it you know getting the tax cuts for people that are in his circle he figured it out it was important to him empowering the people that he considers his base and 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 supporting them he obviously you know, it's very, very, very sad because I, I, I would like to not demonize that part of the population or that, or people or supporters. It's just very difficult for me at times because, you know, you, 
like you said, you're looking for greatness, you're looking for support, you're looking for a leader. It's just just like with uh with with Representative John Lewis passing, you know, it, yeah, someone who's enough of a, a a person to get past it, go there, extend the olive branch, see this voting act that he was proposing, yeah, and get it passed because he believes in. See, but that's the problem, bro. Is that It, it's a different set of rules these days. I mean, look at our attorney general, William Barr. Look, look at, look at what happened with Trump and his indictment. Like they, there is not a level of accountability that's been there before. And obviously they feel that they are getting away with it. And if I, I, I this is the, the point I've been saying to a lot of people what makes them even would want to stop if they've been getting away with it? Well, you, I grew up around a lot of gangsters. Yeah. A gangster that gets the power is ever going to let go of that power and let alone. Right. We America, come on, man. The interior, the, the military industrial complex. What's crazy, man. Trump says he loses the election. He's not leaving the office. Even if he loses, you're saying you don't think he's gonna leave. That's what he said. He said, even if I lose, I'm not I'm not leaving. Did he say that the other day? Yeah, I'm like, you know, how did he literally say that? I I I heard something to that effect, but did you actually vet well, the quote? Did he made him? But it was something on that. It was that vibe. No, no, no. He said it like he insinuated like a hey, I'm not going anywhere. I'm not going anywhere, win or lose. <laughs> like, like, okay, like, what do you mean by that? Like, I'm not leaving this office. Like, damn. Well, what are you talking about? <laughs> like, where are you going with this? Well, you know, I mean. But the thing is, he's been getting away with everything else. Like, you're, you're old enough to remember what happened with uh, George Bush with W in Florida and voting and elections and come on, look at the voter suppression that's been going on even in the primaries right now and, and what they're trying to do. And even me going to go vote for the primaries for, 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 for stuff was a nightmare. Yeah. They're definitely trying to make this, make it hard. You know, it's crazy. We were living in some really crazy times where everything's coming to, like, everything's just being unveiled. Because something like this, you know, like, I know people who wouldn't believe that they, people would do stuff like this. And it it really, it drives me crazy when somebody said, why would they do something like that? What makes you think they'll do something like that? And it's like, where have you been? Look at history. Like, yeah, like, what, why? What What did they do to you that makes you so blind to what's going on, you know? Well, it goes back, it goes back to people in situational, the situational circumstance and perspective. 
crazy. You know, it's it's it, it's at a we're at a pivotal point in history, and people. I think just need to live their their life yeah. to the fullest every day. And one thing for me is just been trying to be true to the universe, being honest with myself and honest with other people and just being not holding back anything, man. And just why do I, there's no reason for me to lie to these people. There's no reason for me to, to ever be disrespected and finding that value i think that's really important right now is that people just need to start valuing themselves valuing their families valuing the blessings that they do have because this obviously shows that it could all change in a second and, and a blink of an eye blink of an eye fam man <laughs> here i wanna all right so so in a quality radio, generally I pop up some pictures and then I let the person talk about it, see what their vibe is. Okay. See what they say. So how you feel about that? Sound good? Hell yeah. All right. All right. Let's see here. All righty. Oh, wow. It's crazy. All right. Wow. What's that? That's me and my sister. Okay. That's me and my sister. My dad is a photographer. And he took this picture, you know, back in the day, like, I was born in 82. So I was maybe one or two years old. And they had, like, the wicker chairs, the wicker deck, every, every, I don't want to say black family had a picture of the family with the wicker chair, but it's almost like, you know, um, you ever seen that picture with, um, I think it's Hugh P. Newton. He's in the wicker chair sitting down. Like my dad had that. Yeah. It's iconic. It's like, it's like the plastic on the couch or something. It's just, it's just, there's, there's certain things that were just real. Like I'm from an Italian family. There's just certain things that were. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy, yeah, and that's the picture. Like, that's the chair we were sitting in. He took a picture of me and my sister. I was happy he gave me a cookie, you know. Right, <laughs> right. Things right. in life. <laughs> it's crazy, man. It's a crazy picture. Definitely, definitely, definitely. All right, so let's keep it moving. Keep it moving. Boom. Oh man, it's a throwback pick. Like, if you see. Man, I've been doing this for a long time. I was DJing at like some event. And it's funny because my dad took that picture because it was like a family event. I had to be maybe 14. You know, I started DJing when I was 11. So by 11, you started DJing when you were 11. I was 11. On direct drive turntables or old belt ones? Old belt ones. Belt no, ones, actually, right? No, no, those are direct drive. I did have direct drive. Okay, so you did have direct drive. Now, were you scratching out the gate? Were you trying to scratch out the gate, like with? No, no, they weren't Gemini's, man. You know, scratching on these Gemini's. The platter wasn't stable enough, you know. Right. So, but let me tell you what I did was so 
I had a belt drive. Then eventually I did get a 12, 1200. And I was scratched with that one. And then eventually I had to get another 12, you know. But, yeah, that was a picture of me, man, when I was about 14, DJing at a family event, you know, just doing my thing, man. I had crates, man. I had, like, I used to carry about. At that time, I probably had maybe five crates of records. Do you remember the first hip-hop record that you bought? Absolutely. What's the first hip-hop record you bought? I bought uh, Biggie Juicy. Juicy? It was a maxi single, yeah, yeah, Juicy. You Ooh, yeah. with him, with the hat and everything, yeah. Ted. That was the first one I bought. Then after that one was like Outkast, you know. Oh. Then it was like Nas, and then I was just getting the Wu Tang. It was just I. I went into a binge, you know, just collecting, collecting, collecting. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know if you ever heard DJ House Shoes. Okay, yes, I have. Yeah, that's like a good friend of mine. He used to work at a record store that was right down the street from me. And it's called Street Corner Music. I used to go there. Shoes used to like, yo, point me to the direction. I used to go pick out everything I want. All the stuff I had enough money for, at least. Go home and I would dissect the music. You know, I would sit in the basement hours and hours and hours, man just listening to the music, you know, not even really like trying to blend or scratch or nothing. I was just like listening, you know, like, okay, I'm going to listen to this shit, you know? And it wasn't, it wasn't until like around that age where I'm like, okay, I got to blend this stuff. And Detroit DJs, let me just give you like Detroit DJs, the radio DJs, man, they were like super talented, you know, like, you know, they're talking about beat juggling and beat matching and stuff on live radio, you know, so I could turn on the radio and I'm hearing it like and I'm trying to think like, fuck, how do you do that? How are they getting their cuts like that? Yeah. How do you get how do you get that cut in the pocket like that? Right. Then you blended it like this. I'm like, man, this is crazy. You know? I need an yeah. instrumental. I need an acapella. And even if I had four takes, I, mean, I, don't know if I would get it out in the pocket. I need the single, the regular album and <laughs> two of each, you know. Yeah. And it's like, okay, once and I start really just figuring it out, like, okay, I got I got I do need doubles. So I start getting doubles of stuff and like trying to put routines together, you know, here and there. Beat juggling, you know, my scratches wasn't up to par, but I'm like, oh, I can figure out this beat juggling thing. It's all about and it was different then back then because we didn't have the waveforms for the oh, man. You were so you literally by ear. You could do it with your eyes closed. That's how like you do it. Like I, I used to practice with my eyes closed. And exactly just, right. It was so much of a different feel yeah, in it. And then putting the little dots on the record so you know really where to go and to, to cut in. And then people have no clue. And then I was talking about this with Qbert the other day. We used to have like 20 crates of records and sometimes it would be up like five flights of stairs, a half a block away, and we would have to have just the crew. Yeah. And then when it's three, four o'clock in the morning, I mean, to, to bring those crates back. Yeah, you had to have a crew. I used to have a crew. I used to have a crew. And it was, you know, they were, they were enthused, you know, like because they know I was the DJ. And right. the DJ came with perks course you know i wasn't really like 
a drinker like that, but they used to give us drinks, you know, like they used to let me do whatever, you know. Of course. Yeah, they used to let me do whatever. Like, hey, I, I always say, man. Every- and, <laughs> yeah, and my crew was like, it was a large crew. So when we came, we were half of the party. So it was like people liked, that's where I got a lot of business from. Like, okay, yeah, he's going to, he's going to bring, he's going to come with people, you know? And I came with people because I had 20 crates, two turntables, a mixer, the cases, and I had callus on my hands, bleeding. My knuckles was bleeding from digging in these crates. Right. You know, fingers all bloody, knuckles. I mean, you know, at the end of the night, after four hours of DJing, it's like, man, I'm standing on my feet. Now I got to load my truck up. I mean, it's been times where I've pulled up to the house and just passed out. Like, I didn't even get out the car. I fell asleep in the car, woke up sweating, hot as hell in the car, had to unload the equipment, you know? Well, isn't that the beautiful thing as we got older, if that if we was a big enough gig, the venue was right there, or then I would just try to make sure we get a place that was, like, real close there so I could, you could just... Especially if there's a hotel real close, you know, that's always been the gauge for me. Like, how far are we going? Yeah. And if not, I need my room. I need to be able to go there, get early, get in, get out. Because I ain't traveling back no three, four hours after no gig anymore. No, 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 never. Can't do that. Especially not carrying all this equipment. Yeah, well, transportation and per diem, that definitely changed a lot. Yeah. Deposits, getting half of that money up front. I ain't getting the other half until I. I'm not even walking on stage till we had that other half. Oh man! I mean, I remember my first three years of DJ. I must have had five thousand dollars of the people, you know, like promoters. Oh yeah, oh yeah, you know, I'll pay you at the end of the night, and it was always just some story at the end of the night. Just. That's that look at the end of the night, and you're like, wait a minute, this place was packed all night. What, what, what you... That bartender got their money. Man, the party's looking like all those people on stage. You're like, no, 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 you got paid. You got paid. You got the money. Right now. That was one of my favorite stories. So I did this show with Jizza from Wu Tang, and uh we did this gig and it was down by the beach and the venue, they just didn't know how to promote stuff. So, I mean, Jizza was playing with Cypress Hill with, uh, with um, DJ mugs from Cypress Hill where they, they were doing a collaboration album. So uh-huh. normally they're used to having promoters that really knew what they were doing. Right. And so the place was just dead. I mean, like, you know, it was half, you know, not even, I would say a fourth of the way filled for the show. Damn. But still, they got up, rocked it. Like if there was a half a million people there, they did a great job. Mm-hmm. So at the end of the night, Jizz is sitting there. We're all, you know, I DJed that night. So we're all breaking down. And I was there with Muggs, and DJ Muggs was actually really down to earth and cool. And Jizz did a great job. He still did a lot, you know, totally lyrical, true MC, just held it down. And so. I knew this venue and I knew they were going to try and gas them on the money. So we're all sitting there. It's two, three o'clock in the morning. The venues, you know, it's done now. And I think he's supposed to get like 10 racks or something. Uh-huh. And they, they, they come with like a G or two or so. They're like, Oh, well, you know, it was a hard night, blah, 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 blah. 
he looks at them and like with four of his hobbies, like he just he looks at four of his hobbies and just goes, yo, check this out. Me and my friends and my girl are gonna go sit at that table. I guarantee you there's a safe upstairs that has the money for my show in there because that's what you guys were uh, obligated under contract. When I got here, whether you guys had sold out the place or you had two people here, I was ready to do my thing. Now it's time for you guys to do your thing. Go get my money. I'm going to go sit at that table. I ain't leaving. And literally, they had to go upstairs and figure it out because they figured out real quick that he wasn't going to leave unless he got his money. And yeah. Because <laughs> yeah. it's like, I ain't having it. I came out here from New York. Y'all trying to be funny. But that was their thing, you know, this funny, funny business. And like, to me, I'm a big believer in legacy and reputation. And I would never want to be known for funny business. Like, I always want to be known for that integrity and that reliability and word is, I mean, to a fault, to me is word is bond. Like, yo, if I say something. Oh, your word is bond. Yeah. Hello, hell or high water. I'm there to a fault. If I said I'm gonna be there, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna be there. And and just that whole entire process, man. You know, it's just it's interesting. It's interesting. Yeah. The game. Yeah. It's crazy. How the game? How the game be sometimes? All right. All right. What? Oh the, yeah. Alright. This good sir. Oh man, that was a fun tour. Nobody smiling tour. That's the tour we went on with Common. It was dope. It was fun, man. Common's people was really cool. You know, DJ D. I always thought Common was one of the best MCs ever, bro. Like like truly Yeah. One of the most lyrical I mean I that's that song finding forever man crazy i just listened to that over and over like this that when he has his dad talk man, that sample crazy. of him and his dad talking like yeah i can't even tell you how many mornings or days that i've just played that just like as the anthem just like yo bro one of my favorite comic albums was like that electric circus too man i used to love to see him perform that you know and of course, one of my favorite producers is Jay Dillon, and he fucking laced comment with that. You know, on that album was crazy. You know, just that was like one of those albums that you just listen to over and over again. And it was parts of the song where it's like, man, I gotta run that back. That's just sweet, you know. Yeah, the beat, everything about it was just crazy. Now on that tour. It looked like there was a bunch of dates there. Um, what, what would you say was the most memorable spot that on that tour where you were just like, or how about this for this question? Where internationally traveling, would you just say you were just blown away by the crowd, blown away by just the experience more? Was there any extraordinary place or? Anywhere in my whole career or? Yeah, in your, in your whole career, even outside of that, that tours particularly. Well, um. Like, like, was there, you know, oh, well, we went and played Wembley Stadium and that was just a sea of people I've never, you know, or something like that. You know, man, I've been doing it for a while, man. Like, I, I've been on Rock the Bells tours. And, man, those were like, those those crowds were just the energy. It wasn't like, you know, I've been on tours with, with you know, DJing with Royce, too. With, and it's got like 100,000 people where it's like you don't see the end of the people. 
you know, and uh, that's crazy. But the energy of seeing like these Rock the Bells tours, man, like I really wish they like could do that again, man. Cause yeah, well, Chang and Gorilla Union and uh, DMA, you know, they man, those names. I, I, I know those I know those guys for for years and they they had a strong strong push. It wasn't until they that last tour where they brought Rock the Bells to New York and they lost all that money and then yeah, then it kind of just stopped. Well, they you know they they Grill Union, they're they're tied in with with Nas and with um that whole that mass appeal thing that they're doing. They do a lot of stuff with mass appeal. Okay. Yeah, because I I knew the guys that were doing Chang, Chang and all them, the Grill Union. The Grill Union is the one people that threw because they threw a series of stuff. They also used to do a show called Pay Dues. Yeah, yeah, we was on Pay Dues. All that uh, stuff. We actually were on the road. We were on a Rock the Bells tour and which one was that? That was with with, with who? Because I mean, they had ones with. I mean, every time it was an all star list. Yeah, we did one where Most Def was like headlining Black Star. I've done shows with Most Def. Now, Most Def was one of the nicest guys I've ever met in hip hop. Hey, yeah, Most Def is like one of the coolest people. I actually would like. It's like me in hip hop. One of the hardest things are in music is meeting one of the people that I love listening to their music and them just being very rude or just yeah. disingenuous or just rock star. And when I met, when I met Mo, Mo Steph, we did a, uh, the new danger, uh, record release party for my, my brother Q boy for Jamaica gold and okay. for heads for dreads. And uh. most it's the type of person to actually look you in the eye, mm -hmm. whether it's the janitor or the, yeah, you know, or the CEO treats everyone with respect. He was very engaged, which yeah. to me was such a rarity, you know, to find in the business, you know, he was actually, a, and for me, that song, do you ever hear that song priority? He did. Yeah. Yeah. So my homeboy that I grew up with, the, the, his boy did that track. Oh wow! He produced that track for him, and that was always like I have it on my mixtape and everything. That's one of my the lyrics in that. You know, God before everything, peace yeah. before everything, love before everything. Yeah, yeah. Moses very dynamic man. He's 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 one of the I don't you know, and people don't always mention his name, but he's definitely one of the top MCs ever lived. You yeah. Know? His show, I've heard, has changed a lot now that he's Yasmin Bay and stuff and everything, right? He's yeah, yeah. He, I hear that he's not. He's doing a little bit more of an abstract show these days. He starts off yeah. with like dancing over flowers and. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It, but I've seen his show, uh, you know, change. Have you ever seen any of the movies that he was in? Like, uh, yeah. Uh, well, did you ever see that where he played the the first heart, the first per, the first doctor ever to perform a heart surgery? No, I haven't seen that one. Bro. What's it called? You know, I don't know what it's called, but he plays the first doctor to ever invent the heart surgery. And it's just, it's just one of the most mind-blowing performances you've ever seen in your life. It's just like, this guy is just, you know, he's a genius. He's a genius, man, with his art. I mean, his catalog. 
sincerity, the authenticity of his art form, like you said, man. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Great. Yeah, rock the bells, man. I, in fact, okay. So when I see you, I got a present for you, man. Okay. All right. I, I have so much rock the bell stuff. Oh wow! My because my friend used to work do all the merch for them, oh, so I have like the limited edition X hat for the 10th anniversary. I have uh, which they did was crazy because they changed it for each town the colors of it. Like when they're in LA, they were Dodger blue. When they're in San Francisco, they were you know the orange for the Giants. When they're in man, and then man, let me tell you, like so, man, most hats like kind of laced out because you know how they change the colors. Right, every city. Our our uh, credential, you know, most people have a little flyer that you put around your neck, right? Right. Most death gave us Nixon watches. Gave you what? Nixon watches, right? Like Nixon, the the watch. Okay, the- we got a different color Nixon watch. Oh, so, Nixon watch. Yeah. So what, what, what was it, like a thing that they, they get it sponsored, or is this, he just got yeah. some? Yeah, most had some type of sponsorship. Every city we went to. Okay. And they were a Grilly Union watch, or it was just no. a Nixon watch? It was just a Nixon watch. Okay, that's cool. It might have had, like, might have sometimes they said something in it. It's a nice. Kind of nice little diamond. But What? Get a black just one. like, wow, here's the sick guy. <laughs> Next city, we get a purple one. Next city, we get, it's like, damn, damn. Like, I was like, wow, this is fucking crazy. See, I grew up in the music business, man, and like, I have just been always, I love swag. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's just like memorabilia, rock memorabilia, hip hop yeah. memorabilia, just this crazy. music memorabilia, man. This, like, whoa. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And I got crazy. this robe from uh, Michael Jackson's 88 tour that he only get. So I have these two things where I have one is Michael made up leather executive bags for the executive team. And he made up with, with the, the shoes and the icon, you know, the glittery shoe, like yeah, the, with uh, the, uh, doing the, yeah. The and then a European red robe that he gave to the, ex- so I, I mean, bro, they're oh, that's crazy. 30 years old. My uncle worked for him. So he gave me those when I was a kid. And I've just always kept them because crazy. I always, I was always a big fan of Michael. My earliest memories were going to Michael's shows and, and, and seeing him perform on stage and being backstage with him. And, oh, wow. That's crazy. So it's like, like literally my earliest memory is being backstage just with Michael by himself and him coming uh, I was watching him on, uh, so I was in one of those hangers on the side of the stage, mm-hmm. watching him dance and he falls through the bottom of the stage and then pops up in an elevator right behind me in the tunnel and oh, pops yeah. out. And Michael was, I was, you know, kid, I was eight, nine years old and Michael just looks huge and he looks at me and he sh- he's like, Hi, and he shakes my hand real quick, and then he just runs out on stage. <laughs> and I was just like, I was like, wow, that energy from the crowd. I was like, I want to do this, man. That's just so beautiful, man. Just yeah, that's just yeah. Michael was such a big inspiration. Michael, James, James Brown. I mean, I'm just the biggest James Brown fan, bro. I I, I still to this day, man. Just I have so much James Brown stuff, and just 
always dip through that type of thing. You know, just anything James Brown, man. Did you see the James Brown movie? Oh, I know. Who played James Brown? The guy who played in Black Panther. The lead actor in Black Panther played James Brown. Oh, I got to check that out. Bro, it's amazing. I've seen that. It's amazing. Okay. Oh, you check that out. Do you remember this? I think that was on the comment tour right there. No, actually, this this was where when you came to LA to come see me. Oh shit! Okay, that's, that's the troubadour. That's okay. the troubadour. <laughs> yeah, yeah, okay, okay. That was right before he hopped in the crowd. Yeah, 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 yeah. That was fun, man. I actually I opened up too. for. Uh, for DMC from Run DMC at that place right before you. Uh, it's a nice little venue. I like that place. Yeah, yeah. Oh man, uh, yeah, that's cool. Oh yeah. When was this? This was uh, this was the night at the Rock Nation. It was a Rock Nation event. Um, Jay, everybody was there, as you can see. Um, it was it was. It was like a filming. Jay Z did like a show on Title. Do you remember that? When yeah. Title kind of first came out, Jay Z did like a live show on Title, and that was the show. He brought Jay out. He brought everybody really? out. Yeah, he brought everybody out. He brought everybody that had anything to do with Rock Rockefeller Records, Rock Nation. Mm-hmm. They were there. It was crazy. Now, do you remember? So Jay Z has a bunch of. Do you remember who Jay Z who he was hype man for? Who who Jay Z was hype man for? I don't, I don't know. Who was he hype man for? He was Biggie's. He was Big and Small's original hype man. Get the fuck out of here! Oh yeah, you know yeah. What? I I think I did. I yeah. do remember that way yeah. back in the day. Yeah. That's crazy. He was he used to back up Biggie back in the day, man. Wow, wow. he was he that was when he was a yeah. Oh, please, the best, bro. I, 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 you know, I'm from New York originally. I with I think there was two MCs that 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 well three MCs that people would always say be either Rakim, Jay, or Guru from Gangstar. What did you do? Do you remember remember Gangstar? Oh yeah. His name was Keith too. I mean, I always thought that Guru, Gangstar, Premier. See that that I like especially when I work with people like on an MC DJ thing. I always look at them like, hey, Gangstar style. You know, yeah. we're here as a team. I wanna. I don't want to just be your DJ. I want to be the other half of the act here or yeah. supporting you. You know. Yeah, exactly. Same same here with me. I'm exactly. Not, I'm not just playing the song and chilling, you know, drinking Kool Aid in the back. I'm the other half of the show. You know. Well, I think that's the beautiful thing with you guys is that I always see him give you credit and shout you out during the show and oh, yeah. you as a foundation where most MCs like him in that position will just have someone just play an instrumental and they'll run out and they'll just don't want to they don't want to cut it into their check or have to deal with yeah. it. So the fact that he respects the the essence yeah. of hip hop and the, you know especially you because you had you're so good with the crowd bro i mean you you get so engaged with the crowd and you're so comfortable up there and having fun i mean 
Thank you, man. So how did how so how did you guys meet? What was the 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 yeah? How what was the evolution of that? I met Jay. I used to work at Guitar Center in Detroit. Okay. And one of my really close close friends, um, was like Jay's close friend, and he used to be like, you know, hey man, my friend from New Orleans is coming up. He's gonna stay with me out here in the studio. I want you to meet him. You know what I mean? I, I was going to the studio doing scratches on his beats and stuff like that. So I go up, meet him, you know, oh, what's up? Name Dre, you know, what's up? You know, and I was younger, you know what I mean? I was maybe 20, 21, 20, you know, I was young, you know, and, uh, and this is long before he had any type of thing going with Rockefeller or anything. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Way, 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 way before all of this, you know. And um, man, JF stay stay here in Detroit for a year, six months, you know. He was just, you know, a close friend. And I remember he's always telling me, like, yo, TJ, you know, actually, he used to tell me, like, you know, I'm a I'm gonna need you one day, you know, stuff like that. And the vision, he had the vision. Yeah, he had the and he vision. wanted you there, which is, it's nothing more special when someone wants you there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, but at the time, so, you know, Jay disappears, you know, and that's, that's what Jay does. He'll disappear, you know, and it's like, oh, okay, you know, I'll ask how Jay been, you know, be Johnny. And, um, oh, he's good, you know, he's doing good. He's doing good. He's coming back, you know. But then one day, Johnny hit me. I was working at, at this time, I was working at Sprint. You know, I was just kind of, you know, I had like jobs here and there, DJing on the side. However the hustle is to make it work, yeah. bro. I always so, tell people, I don't care what your hustle is. You get out there and you work, don't matter. It's all part of the plan to get here. Yeah. So, so Johnny's like, yo, TJ, um, Jay, Jay need a DJ. And I want you to be his DJ, you know? So I'm like, Okay. I'm like, when? He's like, he's like, he's going on the road. And I'm like, okay, when? He said Friday. And it was like Monday. <laughs> <laughs> like four days. And I'm talking, is he talking about like on the road, like you need your passport? Rock the bells. Oh. <laughs> rock the bells. It was in the States. I didn't need my passport at the time, but it was rock the bells. Straight GU style. Yeah. So it was like, I had to tell my, 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 my boss, I'm like, I'm like, hey, I got an opportunity to go on the road, you know, like really go on the road. And she's like, oh, that's great. You know, she knows that DJ, you know, she knows me. And she was like, cool, yeah, you could go. And I'm like, okay, cool. She's like, when? I said, Friday. And she said, oh, okay. How long you'll be gone? I said, uh, about six months. And she's like, she did the, she did the, ooh. Like, I can't, I can't, I can't do that with this short of time, you know? So. You had a choice. I had a choice. I told Johnny, I'm like, yo, Johnny, man, I don't know if I can get off. So they started looking for other people and stuff, right? You know? So, yeah. So Johnny like, man, TJ, you got to do this. You know what I mean? And I'm like, okay. So I'm, I haven't told my boss like, oh, yeah, I'm out yet. I haven't told her yet. Oh, so you're just cutting out. You you've made the decision, but I went, I went and hollered at Jay and Johnny, and um, you know they was you know like you know we 
we need you. So I'm like, okay, I'm with it, you know. Um, and um, I went back like, hey, yeah, yeah, I'm leaving Friday, you know. And that Friday, everything happened so fast. Like that Friday, I quit my job. I also moved out of my apartment and put all my stuff in storage. Ooh. I yeah, I packed. Up, I mean, I it was just time. I was I was moving anyway, so I looked at it like, oh man, it's a big change happening right now. You know, I I quit my job. I put my stuff in storage and I graduated. I went to broadcasting school, and I graduated all that in the same that in that one week. And that next Friday was our first show in Chicago, and I was there, and I was like, wow, Chi Town. Man, I was like, damn, that that happened fast. And from there on, man. I, Traveling band, you've been on the road now. That's been that was like 2005, 2006. 15 years. So you've basically been traveling for the last 15 years now. Yeah. And this is like the first time I've had time to sit down like this. I was like, wow, this is the first time I actually haven't been out, you know? And it's it feels cool. It, it, it's I feel like it was like a um like much needed kind of break, you know. But I'm ready to definitely get back, you know. Like I'm ready to get back to it. But you know, who knows when that's gonna be? But I'm still gonna, you know. It's nothing's gonna stop me, you know. Like it's just who well, I am. Mean, it's in my blood, man. I'm be DJing forever. I'm turning 120, still spinning, you know. Yeah, well, I mean, there's definitely been not being able to do live shows for the last six months has definitely been messing with me big time. Yeah. I mean, obviously, for me, it's a way different situation than being on a world tour like you've been, that you were going on, but even just my local gigs. Yeah. I've been doing a lot of local gigs. I'm talking baby showers. You know, people are shocked to see me. They're like, yo. Oh, what are you doing here? And I'm like, showing showing the love, bringing it back to the. Hey, you know, you know what they say? Never forget where you came from, because one day you might just have to go forget. back. Yeah, yeah. Like people really like walked in, like, like whoa, like whoa. Let's see here. Uh, let's see here. All right, so it's a couple different. different subjects see what you think whoa what the fuck is that bro no way is this real this is real so people now try and just throw a show that's rough like that what do, do you think those bubbles people were in bubbles bro like literally like i mean have you seen a lot of the layouts for these new schools this that i mean that would be a trip for me going to a show and seeing that separated from people in a way. I mean, it's kind of novel for one time funny maybe, but that would be. I mean, it'd be a trip if they're like, yo, DJ inside the bubble. That I could deal with. That could be fun, especially if there were some animations in it and we had some projections. That's crazy. That's crazy. I couldn't imagine that. Can't imagine I mean, the, the chain smokers just got in a lot of trouble because they did a show over the weekend and they didn't enforce the social distancing. And I, I heard that they're having issues with it, legal issues. Oh, wow. Yeah. You can't do that. I mean, 
I definitely wouldn't do that. You know, regardless, you know, like just if you think this is a fake thing, then like, so then you're not thinking about it. Yeah. Here you go. All right. Next thing. Wow. That's what crazy. do you think of that? And that's that's crazy. Three percent. Well, you mean to tell me they couldn't just take out three? You know, and, and okay, let's say this. Let's say 3% of the military spending. Now, okay, I know we are have the best military in the world. But if 3% could stop all starvation, why are we spending that much money in military? You know? I mean, it's a... Whether it's looked at in the military or just the accumulated wealth. You know, I was listening to someone make a post about this on Twitter the other day. They're like, hey, if I had Jeff Bezos's money, wouldn't I just be going around each day being like, oh my gosh, look at downtown LA. I'll clean that all up today. Okay. Hey, look at look at this country with all these sick people. Here you go. I got the money on the hospital. Because it wouldn't matter. Even if they spent 250 million, a billion, even if they spent Five hundred billion dollars, they'd still have, yeah, enough money that they couldn't spend in five hundred lifetimes. Yeah, it's crazy, and that's the hardest part because I'm not like a, you know a socialist in that sense. I'm definitely a capitalist. I don't believe that you anyone should take anything from anyone, or there should be a limit. But that it's going back to that paradox of what you said. People can't understand why people well. I can't because that's been going on since the beginning of time. People have power. They don't want to let go of it and they're willing to do whatever to hold on to it. And it's not, they're not personally going through it. So they don't feel it's their problem. Yeah, exactly. Like, it's not my problem. Well, damn, man. That's, that's such a hard one. Cause I think that it does yeah. affect all of us, you know, I mean, absolutely. So, next thing, what do you think about this? Wow, that's something. So, proposed swapping Columbus Day that would cause a lot of problems, though. Like, you think that it would cause a lot of problems if they made Juneteenth a holiday? Well, I thought that said swapping, like independence. Like, no, 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 no. Okay, Did it? Okay. No, no. First of all, I would, I, 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 I would, I wouldn't think that taking away Fourth of July. I think that you can't, you can't, you can't take away that. I guess okay, but I guess that is. How about this? I think that is the argument. A lot of people have been having the argument of, oh, well, Fourth of July, or, and to me, that wouldn't be an argument. Like I, I, I've never thought about taking worth Fourth of July. I was saying acknowledging Juneteenth as. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now that's cool. That's cool to me. Like, I think that would be insane trying to take away Fourth of July. Like, I wouldn't understand. But, 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 although I understand the resentment for anyone who wants to make the articulate point and go, well, not everyone was free, and that that yeah. was yeah. a crime against humanity. And for yeah. whatever it's worth, there's no way whether it was hundreds crime against humanity. It was a crime against humanity that at that day not everyone was free, and that right. that. That is why I think they need to make Juneteenth yeah, a holiday do. is to acknowledge 
See, I think that that's the hardest thing with most of these issues. People are just looking for acknowledgement. You know, it's like, hey, yeah, this is happening. We got the video. There's no debatable scientifically. There's nothing to debate about. There's nothing to debate about. Like A lot of people don't want to acknowledge it because then they have to take accountability for something. And I also think there's a big part of the population that's very much into gaslighting, bro, that they know what the truth is. Yeah. But they're purposely denying it just to get aroused out of someone because they're purposely trying to upset people. Yeah. Definitely. It's like online. I, I, I'm a very big believer and sometimes like, yo, why are you even engaging with these people online? Because half of them are bots. The other half are just looking to be an internet gangster and just say some stuff that they know it's like i see people all the time they're like presenting all this factual evidence to these people that have these contrary opinions but it's not like any factual argument and how about this i'm around both sides of it it's not like the other people don't believe that what they believe is not factual Mm -hmm. yeah that's crazy. I, it's very hard for it's very hard i think because a lot of my friends you know they just look at me and they're just like how could this not make you crazy mm. you know and i think in the face of injustice that's the hardest part is that not not wanting revenge you know yeah. Here we go. So, right before he died, he said, "People can change. People can change." Mm. I always love what Trevor Noah would say: is that he wants to take someone who's racist and show them the truth, and show, and not just. Well, but I, you know, I grew up in. The hood in a lot of ways, man. I, a lot of times I say, well, people don't change. You know, people right. only get emboldened in their actions. I and believe the caption, people can. Can. People it can. Takes the willingness to want to. People don't want to change. You know? They're comfortable. They're content. They like, they, like you said, nobody wants to, like, like, say, Jeff Bezos. He doesn't want to give up his money to help. Why? He doesn't want to. It's like, why would I lose my power for other people? Then I wouldn't be who I am. Or why would I, you know? But it's like... Everybody wants to. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, come on. It's crazy. Well, that's the thing. They all have, you know, this Alexander the Great type mentality. Yeah. Let's move on to the next town. Let's move on to the next time. But when in reality, you could I was having with my dad, you know, the- starvation. And man, you'd be the man if you did that. Like you think you think you're a man now. Stop starvation. See how people look at you. Like, yeah, that's big. So you many know. things, bro. Like, bro, bro. Yeah, like, yeah, like so many things that I guess that's my biggest part, my biggest disappointment too sometimes is that there's so much 
hey, that was my resentment towards Obama for a little bit because Obama was so young and articulate. And before there was any of these nominees, I was looking at him. And I'm like, yo, find someone that's young and, and co-sign on him and, and just lead the way. You have so much power right now. And if you go out, you are a Harvard constitutional law professor Go out and vet the, the best, most articulate minds that we have here in America, and let's find the most qualified person for the job. Yeah. Not some, you know, I, I loved a lot of things that Bernie was saying, but he, older, older guy. Yeah, yeah, I like the way he was saying too, but it was also like... You just can't say stuff sometimes. You have to show it. Like, you have to put a plan together. You know, like, don't just say, I'm going to do this. Uh, you know, and, and he said very smart things, but it's like, man, nobody's going to vote for you but if you just, like, say it like that, you know? <laughs> like, you get you get good votes from the people, the liberal people who, like, like you and, like, stuff like that. But, like, man, you're going against, you're going to lose every time if you, like, don't change the way you play the game a little bit, you know? Yeah, the whole entire thing with the terminology and just just a lot of it, though, man. I mean, that not happening so far along. Like, man, come on, Bernie. He's like, people do want you. The way you're going at it is very old-fashioned. Well, I definitely think that people feel that they're at a point with very limited options right now is that that Hillary was a flawed candidate. Hillary was a very, very, very flawed candidate. And now you have Biden, who's a very, very, very flawed candidate. And will... You know, will I? I'll tell you this: for just I, who know, none of us know what's going to happen, but I would definitely say the momentum behind him is not emulate of what it felt like as Obama was coming into the home stretch for the last hundred days, or even. I went to go see Pete Buttigieg talk, Mayor Pete. Mm -hmm. Just a different energy, you know, guy in his young 50s, speaks seven languages, Rhodes Scholar, you could, his whole entire inner circle, you could see he has a lot of diversity in his right, the, the young people. Yeah. I was with his whole entire team. They're all young. They're all our, you know, and listening to him speak for two hours, it's just the cognitive responses are just way different. Yeah, yeah, true. And as I've said this many times. The cognitive. You can't blame Joe Biden for having a, 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 a anyone at that age would. You can't blame Donald Trump for being that age and having these issues. Anyone at those ages will have these issues. But why, why as us as a society have we not amended the constitution to put a cap on it of saying like, Hey, after 70 years old, you can't, 
You can't do this. Just like in an office place, after 65, unless it's your own company that you run. Yeah, you can't. That's not how it works because that's not, and that was the thing that I think is so important for us as society. I've said this before. I'll say it again. For us to move forward, we need to start giving the glory to the scientists, to the engineers, to the educators, people like your wife, the principals, the people, the doctors, the people, the philanthropists, the people that are the articulate scientific minds that are going to find the equitable solutions for us to move forward as a society. Because unless it's fair for everyone and unless it's a, two plus two equals four answer with the science. I mean, that's the one thing with engineers that I love about engineers. It has to be about the truth. Cause if it isn't the truth, the rocket isn't going to land on the planet. It isn't, you can feel any way you want, but there's a certain science about how it's going to go through the atmosphere. And if you don't, if you don't know it, it's going to blow up. Yeah. <laughs> that's where I feel right now is that you have all this injustice. You have all this inequality and so many aspects of stuff. Unless we fix it, there's no good solution then for it. You can't get a good seed out of it. Nah, it's not going to happen. That's what I'm saying. It's like, yeah. So that's one thing is that I've been working with this thing called Wolfpack, and it's Mm -hmm. to add an amendment to the Constitution that will get the money out of politics, that will get the dark money out of politics. And I think that's really important is that for our, us to have a fair and free elections here in America, we really need to have free and you know fair elections here that show where these people are getting their financing from because as long as anytime you give you know, it's like being in the hood and leaving your front door open. If you're going to be that stupid, okay, like you can't do that. You got to, you have to have certain checks and balances or it'll never be okay. Right. It's going to be horrible. Yeah. I mean, with ourselves, with our, even with ourselves, right? You know, as you get older, you have to have your standards, your ethics, or, you know, for your own, well, you know, best interests and stuff long-term. And especially for our, you know, our children's children, you know, it's, it's important. Have you seen this? So a Nigerian man builds a virtual classroom to teach his students. So to actually try and, because I, I believe COVID's real, bro. I believe that I have friends that have family members that have gotten sick, got better, got sick again. I have friends that parents that have died. I have my family's lawyer, her old family. Like, it's not, it's not fake. It, that's that. It's not fake. I mean, look, look what just happened with Herman Cain. Yeah, isn't that crazy? sitting there purposely going to this thing, not wearing a mask, doing all those posts online, mocking. 
mocking it and now look but isn't that the irony i mean i must have seen at least 20 examples of people mocking this epidemic this pandemic yeah and then some weird cosmic like yo they catch out the culture catch a cold one real quick yeah that's really like crazy like most ironic thing that happened like you know people got videos of him you know Dancing without the mask on, and so sad. I'm seeing tweets of like, I don't wear a mask. It's like, oh, there'll never be a second wave, which I believe for him and the people like him shows such a negligence as a leader. Because if you're putting out that narrative, a that everyone like it's just like right now. I mean. On some family stuff, outside of business, as your brother, bro, if all of a sudden Coachella was tonight and they were like, yo, go, I would probably look at you and be like, yo, family. No, I wouldn't go. Nah, bro, like, yo, and if we yeah. do go, we're wearing, we're going and getting industrial germ, you know, like I'm, I'm talking about like the full-on wartime yeah. viral mask because with the a because otherwise that i think that it's a bad example for the children it's a bad now i'm not talking about that there aren't other things that are going on in this world that are with covid that are part of the story that complicate the issue yeah of course there's 500 other things that are going on that are a part of this pandemic that come into issues as feasible issues but it but just to say oh it's it's just like a common cold. Mm, no, you're not just dying. I've had people look at me and say that. Yeah. What are you tripping on? You know, and, and hey, I am a big believer of that mentality of that a healthy immune system and putting good things in your body and living a healthy lifestyle contributes to a healthy immune system yeah. and protecting against these things. That being said, I also come from where my father is an environmental management consultant that does management of environmental disasters, whether it be mold, asbestos, lead, and environmental containment. And exposure is exposure. Yeah. I mean, I do feel like everybody needs to be healthy. You know, like definitely boost your immune system, but don't be stupid and go out there and try to catch it. Like, don't be reckless, you know? Like, being reckless is, like, not smart in any situation. You know, whether it's COVID, it's just how you deal with people. Just don't be reckless. Like, don't think you're so high and mighty that it's not real. I'm not going to catch it. Well, there's that part of it, which I think is a big, which a big part of the dialogue. And then I think there's the flip side of the dialogue of the people in power that don't care and it's because they're not getting their paper and they're up on the totem pole they don't care for bottom of the totem pole they yeah. they're they're like yo your worker bee get back at it and if it's just a casualty of war hey it's just casualty wear. yeah that's exactly how they're looking at it you know they're not the ones out there in the in september that mm-hmm. like it's like a legislation that's supposed to pass in september that like if they don't pass this then they're going to start just everybody's have to go back to like normal life, which that's not going to happen. 
you know, but then it's going to be like serious detriment. Like people are going to be really losing their jobs and, you know, it's, it's be- already there, bro. People are losing their jobs, losing their homes, yeah, losing their everything. I, I think we're already there. I think we're kind of at, we're at critical mass. We're at the cusp. I mean, yeah. how about this? I would say that with most people that I know, that was right out the gate the first week. They were already living paycheck, you know, that they needed to go out and work day to day to figure it out the next day. Yeah, really. I mean, not saying that's everyone and not everyone is that position, but. This has changed everything. Yeah. You know, it just, people need to get, and that's the finding that, like you said, finding the, ba- the balance. I, I, and I, it's scary, you know, it's, it's definitely scary to think that okay, so we, we touched on this a little bit. So we were touched on this earlier. Right, yeah. So you've actually ran in to some yeah. and I mean, it's real stuff and people are, and hey, it's crazy. Now, question: Have you ever gone to China to perform? Yeah, I've been to China. What was that like? China was very different. You know, it was very controlled. You know, I couldn't get on Google. I couldn't call home. I had to like buy a burner phone to call home. You know, um, they had it pretty locked down there. You know, like we have the internet like that. They have like um, WeChat, you know, that's like something that they use, you know. Um, but it's very, very tight there, you know. Uh, I went to Seoul and um, that's more Americanized. Very Korea, you said you went to from, yeah, from so China I mean, to Korea. Yeah, but uh, out in like, uh, I went to. Um, now, when you went to China, like before out the gate, where like was your team like kind of like yo? Oh yeah, yeah. Like yo, yeah. this this could go south real quick. You can't yeah. say anything yeah. about anything. Don't, don't, don't think about smoking the weed. Don't think about going out. I mean, you could go out and hang out, but don't do nothing stupid. You know, like don't do think about what you're doing. You know. Um, but yeah, we went to Beijing. Beijing's different. Went to Shanghai. Two different places, you know, like Shanghai is more like a um it's a big city, you know, but it just looks different. The culture's different, you know. Um it's, it's crazy, man. It's like it's definitely a crazy language barrier, but just but people still going nuts for the music like they said. Well, yeah. Because I definitely think that like a lot of my friends, especially that their albums did really good in Japan and stuff. Like people in Japan go nuts. They know the lyrics, even though they don't speak English. Was that the same thing in China? Like, cause I also think that it, me and my dad were talking about this last night. It seems like a lot of times international crowds, a lot different than American crowds. Man, that'd be it'd be crazy, crazy crowd when when you're performing. But as soon as you're not performing, they're like, "Man, fuck you." You know, it's not like uh, like here in America, like celebrity feeling. 
They're like, oh, yeah, I like your song, but I don't care about who you are, you know? Really? Because that's interesting because my friend just went to China with his family uh-huh. and he said that and he's not famous, but he said everywhere he went, they thought he was famous and they would like line up and that they wanted to get his well, autograph. Okay. Yeah. Now they do. They do do that, you know? And if it's like they think you're famous, like you got, it's like two different things. They either think you're famous and act like you're famous or don't even right. It's yeah. the dichotomy of it's the not like a, a, a <laughs> medium. It's not like a medium. It's like hot or cold. You never know what you're gonna get. Yeah, you know yeah. it's crazy though. Like Tokyo was cool. Oh, Tokyo was like really cool. Uh, oh yeah, I've had China. some friends that have done some shows like at the Liquid yeah, Room like, and stuff. They say it's insane. China, different vibe. I I could never go back to China again in my life and be all right especially with what everything that's going on with the protests right now and the democracy stuff. Just even if, if it was completely normal and I'd be like, yeah, listen, I don't, I don't have to come back here. It was, it was, it was that different. Well, you know, it's very see, see, this is the interesting thing is that I have a really close friend from church mm-hmm. who is from Hong Kong. Okay. And we were just talking about this, and we're, and I'm like, oh, well, you know, it's pretty interesting seeing this whole entire Black Lives Matter movement, the protests. It must, you must relate to it with all the protests going on in Hong Kong mm-hmm. and people fighting for their democracy. Yeah. And he gives me the blankest look at it, um, on his face and he goes, no, not really. And I'm like, well, what do you mean? <laughs> he goes, he goes, Keith, here, they might shoot you with a rubber bullet. They might write you a ticket. They might arrest you. He's like, in, a, in, in Hong Kong, you go out and protest, they grab you. They go putting you in the back of a room, they shoot you in the head or they throw you in a labor camp for the rest of your life and you're as good as dead. He goes, he goes it's not the same, bro. He goes, I, I hear what you're saying and it just kind of made me go full circle and kind of just think about it like, yeah. You know, it's just like right now with my friend in Iran. Mm. They can't leave. Most amazing people on earth. My friends in Palestine, they're prisoners there. They can't even leave. It's so unfair because you have these great people, great Chinese people, great Iranian people, great people everywhere. But bad situation and and just, I mean... That's scary, man, that if you, cause like that was, it was hard enough for me going out to these protests and having the feelings of like, okay, yo, is this going to, like when I went, I was like, okay, I was very much prepared that this was going to possibly go south real, you know, real bad. Yeah. And that possibly the cops were going to try and that, that I, I didn't, I didn't know from place to place exactly how, what the setup was going to be or what the vibe was going to be. But, and now you're seeing it with going with these. So I guess this, we're seeing shadows yeah. of that here now with federal agents yeah. running, swooping people up, throwing them up. In the, I mean, that is like straight as a Jew, you know, like, yo, that is some straight Gestapo SSS stuff. Like that is not cool. You, you, you shouldn't, that even in the worst civil rights stuff, 
the cops were still identified and they could identify who the cop was that was doing and now whether there be consequences of everything, but at least you could identify. Yeah. And so that's kind of where we're at. I think that's where we either as a society decide we're going to support legislation and, and get the people in there that'll pass the legislation that stop these type of things and protect us from these type of things, or we see where it's going. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm assuming it's not going to stop unless there's some level of accountability. Exactly. Oh, okay. Yeah. What's this? I was, I, I was one of the mixes I did. Like, you know, I, I like mixed cloud. Mixed cloud is cool, so I could put a mix up on mixed cloud. Mixed cloud, want you know, it's not like they cut me off or censoring me anyway. I could kind of do whatever you want. That was one of my first ones I put out, and um, and it, it had a lot of numbers. It had like three thousand plays. So it was like, that was really cool. You know, so, yeah, I like I love mixed cloud. Yeah. I definitely. It's nice to. But play. I was gonna do one every week, and I I got. I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm not going to do it every week. But it's cool. I still do them. <laughs> All right. Hey, well, you know, as many as you can. So, okay. You see this picture right here, right? Yes, sir. This is the stage. That, that from, from behind. <laughs> the background. Background stage. That was, that was the before. This is the after. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's crazy. Man, these, like if you focus on one person, man, you'd be like, wow, these people are wilding out. So last thing, this artwork. That's beautiful. That's dope, bro. Like who did, who did that? Wow, okay. So my friend, uh, his name is Everett. Everett. And you know the Michael Eric Dyson wrote a book about jay-z no okay but and um my friend everett finds out that he's related to michael eric dyson his father's brother and they connect and they let him do the illustration of he draws a lot he's like an artist and he did the illustration inside of jay-z's book that michael eric dyson wrote and I thought it was cool. He's like, yo, man, you're my boy. He did that for me. That's so tight, bro. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He did that for me. He took a picture. You got to get that blown up into yeah, like he a huge... picture. And he he did it. And I was like, oh, man. In fact, I, I got you. I might be able to figure that out for you and stuff. <laughs> yeah, I was like, that's cool, man. He's, he's, he's a good dude. If you, if you like Google the book, you will be able to, you can look at it and see like, oh, the same person that did this, same person that did that. Drew it almost exact replica, just me instead of Jay Z. No, that thing's so dope, bro. I mean, to me, the artwork and all that type of stuff. I mean, with the with the music, yeah, that was always a big thing for me with with DJing is the artwork on the albums and stuff. Yeah. Where was the picture? I mean, I think when I first started, a lot of times I didn't even know what was on the album. I was just looking for a cool cover to yeah. kind of feel like the universe. Uh huh. Everything meshes together, man. It makes it all make sense. 
Like yeah. I used to look at look at covers like that too. Like, man, look at this album cover's crazy. Like one of my favorite album covers is probably um only built for Cuban links. And it wasn't that. It was it, it was more of all the colors that you saw. They were back there in the Wallabies. You got Ghostface and Raekwon. It's like, oh man, this shit. And then you got how it's written out. I'm like, oh man, this shit is fucking sweet. You know, <laughs> like this is this is nice. You know, the purple tape. Oh yeah. And then I, I used to love uh Outcast Equemini. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. They had they, there was a there's a really- I, you know, you mentioned Outcast earlier. I mean that did you ever get to see them live? No. I've seen them perform separately, but I've never seen them perform together. I always thought that they were one of the dopest bands, dopest artist collaborations of all time. I mean, hell yeah, Outcast for as far as hip hop for me, man, one of the Andre 3000's verses, you know, just some of them, just, just, oh, just the whole the projects, just just everything from beginning to end they were just so artistic and just so they were like they were up there with like like tribe call quest for me and stuff and everything you know just some some of the like a southern version of like a tribe or like a you know it's crazy yeah i mean me outcast even the out the outshoots of CeeLo, Goody Mob. Man, all Goody Mob. Goody Mob, they had some tracks, bro. Like, I'd be like, whoa. Cujo, yeah. uh, he's got some stuff coming out, man. It's pretty dope. Cujo Goody. Royce has got some dope fire, too, bro. I, 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 uh, Royce has got f- flow, bro. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Royce definitely got fire. Royce and he's he he's tied in with Eminem, right? Like they they, they oh yeah they've done a bunch of collaborations too, right? They, oh, there was a tour. I thought I saw some of the stuff for the tour together and stuff. Yeah, 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 yeah. I've been on a couple tours with him. You know, they're good friends. They're like best friends, man. Like they really came up together. Like in Detroit when M first came out, it was a. Uh, debate who's better emma royce really yeah it was like that was it you know who's better emma royce you know see i never really was an eminem fan man and then like i used to always be like yo bro i'm not really feeling homeboy with like the the performance i would see and then um (laughs) ronald fenty uh rihanna's dad Mm -hmm. is the homie and one night he's like, "Yo, Robin's playing with with Eminem tonight at the Rose Bowl. You want to come see the show?" And I'm like, "I, you know, like, I guess I'll see it. You know, to see what this is." And I was blown away, man. He came out with D12, and he had his crew, and he had his band, and his live show was sick, and it was some real, like, he really. Is talented, man. You know, like I really was blown away by his live show, and like he's undeniably talented. And I was kind of thrown back by it. I was kind of humbled by it. I was like, "Whoa!" I was like, "Marshall's pretty dope. He's got it." Like going back to the authenticism when him and his boys were, he was bringing his whole crew out, and they were all like, like I was like, "Oh!" 
and the one thing that for me that was that that was the hardest part was I met Proof back in the day, uh-huh. and Proof was so nice to me. Proof was one of the only guys in hip hop before he died that didn't treat me like the the corny white boy. Like he would always call me back and respond to my text. Where when I met him, he was really down to earth, which was you know really nice. Proof was a real dude. Like Proof was really a really nice guy. And yeah. From the limited amount of experience, I'm just saying, but just as a dude that I was at a show and I meet him and him being down to earth and humble and actually communicating, you know. Man, Proof was a really good, really good guy. Right, yeah. And he had, he had some cool stuff, man. And, I, you know, I mean, it, I guess he was a big part of that whole entire. He really did put, put everything together. Interesting. So he was definitely the backbone of mapping all that whole entire together. Then. Yeah, yeah. I felt that. I felt that in his energy that he was kind of the quarterback. You know, you know, just kind of believed in it. Probably believed in it before anyone else believed in it or yeah. saw it. Yeah. yeah, he believed in him before anybody else did. Right, and he was that probably was not an easy pit, that easy pitch in detail. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. It's really crazy. That's dope, bro. That's dope. That's dope. So, are, are so you working on anything? Right now, that as far as like you know, any new beats or any yeah, new? I'm definitely making beats. I'm definitely. I want to put start putting the mixtape together. You know, just uh, put one together, man. Get some work. Better get a body of work out there that has my stamp on it. You know, and just start from there and keep it moving. You know, keep going. You, you got to definitely do a track yeah. together. As far as like you know, just like let's just let's get a new instrumental together and just yeah, whatever cool. we do with it, we do with it. You know, let's just, let's, let's do like a Dilla tribute or something. Like let's oh, do great. That's good. You know what I mean? Like, let's just, you know, like kind of, I, I did some shows with Illa J is, oh, wow. yeah. Me and Illa J did a couple shows and stuff and everything. He was a cool kid. Yeah. He's really cool, man. You know, is dope. it's crazy how, you know, the, the, the spirit of Dilla lives on, man. You know, that's man. the day how donuts and just how much, respect in hip-hop he still gets you know yeah 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 dutch girl good donuts is still out here too man representing them you know that's where he's get his donuts from okay so that's what the the whole entire dilla donuts thing is yeah yeah it's crazy it's because there was a donut shop in detroit that he used to go that was 24 hours had donuts as big really so that's the story behind it yeah, yeah, and it's, I mean, like, they're, I mean, they're not, like, open right now because of all of this going on, but, right, yeah, Dutch Girl Donuts, Ooh. right off Woodward, boom, 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 yeah. that sounds like family business, yeah, it is, exactly, it's family business, man, it's crazy, yeah, man, that's great, man, well, you know, bro, I appreciate you, man, you doing this, man. I mean, I came in expressing words how humbled and thankful I am. Done. Man, anytime, bro. I'm having. I'm sorry. Sorry, it took so long to get it together. You know. Hey, but, hey, bro. You're episode three. I didn't end up doing anything. I, I literally, I did one episode like two years ago with my with, with my friend from USC, mm-hmm. and then I did Schubert a couple days on July 25th for Life in the Day with uh, that YouTube thing. Oh, that's sweet. Your episode three. 
This is all going up on iTunes and every, you know, distributed through Spotify and all the streaming stuff. And then um, supposedly uh, Akil from Jurassic 5 is going to be our next guest. Oh, that's sweet, man. That's dope. Then, um, you know, just... You got all the nice people out there, man. All, all the... Oh, I just... You know, one of the reasons I want... I'm trying to reach out to the people that I feel are real in the game. You know, that, 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 that the, the, the people that I value more than money that I think they're in this for, you know, that was one of the reasons I reached out to you, bro, is because, you know, you were just always so, so, so at every show, so nice to me. And just, you know, ever since I met you, just always had so much love and respect, yeah, which, you know, just means a lot to me, fam. Yeah. Man, anything you need, let me know. You know, I got you. Especially when that. these shows come up and it's like, oh, man, I'm here, I'm here, you know. Once hey. I'm there. Yeah, no, no, definitely. Well, if, hey, grace of God that we could get back out and get you back out on the road. Yeah, hopefully this disappears, you know, quick as, as quick as it came. Yeah, and I got some new tracks coming out, bro. I got like four or five singles coming out that I think are – Oh wow! Nas, if I ruled the world, type oh, level Fuji's type level dope. tracks. You know, Jay Cole. Like I think a couple of these new tracks, bro. I think are special exhibit. You know, exhibit type level. Like just oh, sweet. you know, just just I keep. Ha- it's like I'm I'm in the studio and I'm putting the final touches on it. And I keep having visions of like crowds with like a half a million people and just be like, because yeah. it's just I'm so. How can I put it? Like, it's one of my first tracks where I just feel like the James Brown where I'm just like, ooh, like, oh, this is going to be me. I just got to get out there and like, ooh, I don't care. If, a, if, like, I, I want Jay to be there because I think Jay would be like, ooh, you know, like that. Like, and that's where, like, with the music right now, I'm trying to get back to is just that Jimi Hendrix just like, oh, uh, you know, like, oh, uh, this is just raw. You know, this is this, or this is just speaks to to truth, the power. And that was the reason I approached you for this because everything that I see you working on and that you've always been is speaks that truth, the power. So I wanted to show you that respect, man. Absolutely, bro. Absolutely, man. So I appreciate it, man. Definitely. Bro. I like, I like the questions, everything, man. No, definitely. I, I appreciate it. I'm happy you enjoyed it. I definitely, uh, you know, uh, I hope, I hope many years from now I'm on episode 2000 to be in you like go, hey, remember when you were episode three, bro? <laughs> yeah, be <yeah, you> dope. <laughs> Game changer, like you know, like our kid. Yeah. You know, this was I said that to Qbert the other day. This is for our grandchildren's grand. You know, whether who knows what's going to happen, but I wanted to archive us and our culture at this time and represent so the whole entire world could see who we are and I just felt that like Funk Flex, you know, Funk Master Flex or the the the, the, the icons of hip-hop premiere you should be up there bro and anything that I could do to promote your art and promote everything that you're working on bro I'm here fam so that's why I reached out and Absolutely. Thank you for being on Equality Radio. All right, bro. 
when I get when I get all this edited up and uh, what a bing bada boom and put it live, I'll I'll get you the links ASAP. Bet. All right. Sweet. Good talking to you, bro. All right, fam, bam. Well, much love, and I will uh, talk to you, and I hope I see you soon, fam. Definitely, you definitely see me soon. Soon as this is soon as first availability, man. You know we're hitting the road. We'll oh, so last question. So uh-huh. King Divine. So uh, you know DJ TJ the King King Divine. Explain all that. Explain that for for, for everyone. So, Just- I am a five percenter. You know, uh, and my righteous name is King Divine Understanding Allah. You know, so. That's why you have DJ TJ the King, you know. I shorten it up, you know. So King Divine is just what I go by as my righteous name, you know. So like like Cassius Clay was Muhammad Ali, that that's your Yeah, yep. But people people I don't I don't like, you know, because King almost sounds kind of uh I don't want to say arrogant, but most people just call me divine, you know. People who know, like, oh, yeah, it's divine, you know. And sometimes you'll see me with things that say divine, divine, divine on it. But people don't ever put it together. You know, like, nobody's ever asked me that. Like, where does the king come from? So where does it come from? You know. So it's just, it's just, uh, so did, did you pick that name or did someone give you that name? That's a king. Yeah, yeah, given. You know, like, it's, it's like an attribute of my righteous name. Because I go by DJ TJ. Everybody calls me TJ, you know, but. Well, you know, that's me. I'm Keith Thomas Jordan and my dad's Tom Jordan. So I've been TJ, you know. Oh, yeah. Okay. So, yes. King is just one who knows, you know. So I don't look at a king as being like a European king with like, you know, castle. Right. You know. It's more of a mind, state of mind, because uh, a king is somebody who is looked to up as a ruler. So it's almost more of a responsibility right. because you have to measure up to be a certain thing. You know what I mean? Act as one, because if you don't act like one, you can say, king wouldn't do something like that you know i i think you know what they say the old italian the old italian saying uh heavy is the head yeah heavy is the head that yeah. wears the crown exactly. and i would say this you know it's like i have like one of my things is uh one of my projects was called the servant king because i think that like all the prophets were kings but servants yeah. you know when we have as yeah. an population as a leader a higher responsibility and how about this as as your brother i definitely say you are a king fan fan you know oh thank you you are as well you know and they you know, uh, i think that we both you see eye to eye a lot of things in future respect and that's divine bro that is so divine that is so that's so amazing, and we'll leave it at that note. So, King Divine, that's Dave Proper, Quality Radio. I get a shout out for Quality Radio right now. Oh, yeah. Shout out to Equality Radio, DJ Proper. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's yeah. what it is. All right, fam, bam. All love. I'll talk to you soon, fam. Peace, bro. I'll get you to say something, man. Yeah.